the same way that the police in many times have uh, prejudged or jumped to conclusions too soon. I see the citizens doing some of the same things that they're accusing the police department of doing. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. One of my good friends to have on is Pastor Ricky Floyd of the Pursuit of God Transformation Center. Ricky, it's good to have you back on Mid-South Viewpoint. Man, a privilege to be here with you and uh, share the gospel throughout this region. Thank you so much for having me. Your ministry primarily focuses in the Fraser community. We have on assignment from God to cause transformation to happen in the community of Frazier. And so that that's our Eden. You know, the Bible talks about to dress it and to keep it. And that's what we're trying to do for the community of Frazier. We're trying to uh, let the influence of God radiate and wave through that community. I mean, if it wasn't enough to be the pastor of a very engaging church in the community like the Pursuit of God Transformation Center is, you're also the founder of the Salvation Revelation Ministries mm-hmm. impacting the Mid-South region through soul winning, family strengthening, wealth building, disciple and leadership development, president of Eden Estates Apartments, a 52-unit complex in the Fraser community of Memphis, president of the Husband Institute to Boys to Men Mentoring Program, founder of the School of Marriage Enhancement with your wife, Miss Sheila. You're the curriculum coordinator and an instructor for Manhood University under Mayor Jim Strickland's program for the city of Memphis. You're on the board of directors of Families Matter, and you're also on the Methodist Hospital North Advisory Board. And if that wasn't enough, Pastor Ricky, (laughs) if that wasn't enough, you are currently serving as the interim board chairman of the Civilian Law Enforcement Review Board. The review board has the power to receive, investigate, hear cases, make findings, and recommend action on complaints regarding excessive and deadly force, injuries occurred while in police custody, harassment by police, improper arrest, inadequate investigations, or any other improper conduct by a member of the Memphis Police Department. How do you even have enough hours in the day (laughs) to devote to all these responsibilities? Man, listen, if they ever do a bio on me, they need to call you, boy. You, you, you've done your research. Uh, man, you know, when I, 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 I'm blessed to love what I do. I, I make a statement all the time. I don't got to do it. I get to do it. Wow. And so when I see opportunities that we can impact the lives of people and inject the, the love of Jesus Christ and to give people an awareness and the conscience of Jesus Christ, I find an energy, uh, to do that. And so I'm, I'm grateful that they will allow me to have this opportunity to share the gospel through many of these entities that you discussed. So now this review board, you were already a member of, but yeah. now you're actually acting as the interim director. Yeah, I'm, I'm the uh, interim chair, and I like to tell people all the time I got that by default, not by ambition. You know, I simply want to just get on the board uh, because it was an opportunity in my mind to bring harmony, unity, and to be a voice for the voiceless in the city of Memphis and make Memphis a better place to live. And so all I simply wanted to do was listen to cases and vote. And and then the board encouraged me uh, to uh, pursue the vice president position. And then after that, the president uh, resigned on me. And here I am. It sounds like it <laughs> and, was a setup. Man, <laughs> <laughs> it really does. What have you learned, uh, Ricky, about our police department and citizen relations since joining the review board? You know, I've learned that there is a lack of trust uh, in our community for the police department. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've learned that, that people, uh, 
Don't trust the police department and they're suspect of every decision that they're made. And uh, the same way that the police in many times have uh, prejudged or jumped to conclusions too soon, I see the citizens doing some of the same things that they're accusing the police department of doing. And the same way that you see some of uh, the police officers who are uh, not rights in their actions, you see the same thing as citizens. So it gives me an opportunity to be a non-biased voice to yeah. to amount of what's going on in the community. How does the MPD compare to similar municipalities around the country when it comes to citizen complaints? You know, because I'm very active in the community, because I'm aware of what's going on around the city, uh, Memphis uh, Police Department, this is my opinion, and I have a personal relationship with the police and a personal relationship with the city's citizens. I think Memphis Police Department, though we have some bad officers Overall, we're getting a bad rap. Our police department is being lumped in with a lot of the dysfunctional things that other cities are doing, and they're automatically assuming uh, it's almost like a prejudice thing that all police have this mindset. We in the Frazier community over the last eight years have had just a tremendous relationship with our police officers. As a matter of fact, I've been on here maybe with two of our previous Colonel Kirkwood and Colonel Sanders. And uh, the relationship that we have have afforded us the opportunity to prevent a lot of the violence and crime and dishonor and disrespect and, and abuse that have happened in other cities. You guys confer with a, a legal team when you're doing these investigations? We actually have a legal person on the uh, in the room with us. We have a city council person on the on there. And then some of the uh, some of the people on the team are are legal people and law, law backgrounds and FBI backgrounds right. and stuff like that as well. How many of the cases that you review have racial tones connected with them? You know, it's it's amazing how many people have lumped the police department into racism, even if the case is a black officer. Uh, uh, it, it just, it's mind-blowing to me. And uh, it's amazing to me. I, I thank God for the video cameras because with some of the accusations that were against police officers or even some of the things that police officers have denied, the way they handle situations, the the camera uh, man has been a game changer. And so uh, I would say even if they're not racially motivated, somehow the complainant is going to find a way to make it seem like it's racially motivated. Uh, Ricky, are we seeing in most of these cases that police officers body cams are on or are there a significant number of cases like there are in other cities where we're finding those cameras are turned off? You know, we've had a couple of cases where the cameras were off. And as a board, we stood very bold, uh, vocally and loud that that was unacceptable. That would not be tolerated. We were demanding reprimand for that. Having the camera off is uh, inexcusable because it takes away any uh, room for doubt of what happened in that particular case. Is there any way that this review board is going maybe a step further advising or recommending new procedures or ways that the police department can better relate to the public? You know, one of the things that uh, we did, and I think probably was frustrating that caused the latter president to resign, is we went to a conference in Detroit and we saw the way that other cities were working with the club and the 
support of the government, support of the citizens and the unity and how they didn't seem. You know, the, the interesting about the club is when you make a decision, somebody's going to hate you. If you make a decision and it's toward the police, then the citizens and I had a lady to call me a bootlicker because I made a decision for the police department that everybody on the board then. But then if you make a decision for the citizens, then the police are going to look at you like you're anti <laughs> anti police. So, Ben, I, I mean, oftentimes wonder why do I put myself through this non-paid torment and torture? And then I have to remind myself. And this is the important thing about CLURB is we are being a voice to the voiceless. We're being a voice to the voiceless. There are many people if they had complaints with the police department and the club was not there, it would end there. They don't have lawyers. They don't have relationships with people that they can pick up the telephone with and call and make something happen. So, again, that's the most important thing of club is we're giving a voice to the voiceless. My dear friend, the late Pastor Ralph White yes. served on that board. A, a whole lot better than I did. He was well. He was kind of part of the original group, so he was. He had a lot more years. You know, the club originally started in 1996, and I think Dr. White was part of one of the original members. He and Dr. AC is on there, and Dr. AC is kind of taking me under my wing, schooling me on what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do right now. And so he was. Very aggressive and very knowledgeable. I'm kind of putting on training wheels and learning as we go now. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about all your responsibilities in the ministry and plus with the review board when there's a lot going on. But you've also joined efforts to provide COVID testing. And I believe there was a large gathering last week for COVID testing. You know, the COVID testing is, is very interesting. We had been trying since the beginning of time. When I found out that in Memphis, Tennessee, 70, I think it was 71 percent of the people that were dying from COVID were African-American people. I think in Chicago was about 80 uh, um, percent, uh, Milwaukee, probably around 85 percent. Uh, I began to push for efforts for there to be some testing in Frazier. In my mind, I could not comprehend how the largest zip code in Shelby County, uh, which is one of the most populated African-American communities in the city, did not have a site where people were being tested. So I began to call from state capital to state representatives to local politicians to uh, uh, hospitals to anybody that would listen. And uh, at first there was a little resistance. And I said, there's no way that this can be justified. But within a matter of 10 days, we had four testing sites. And so finally, we were about to have a testing site in Frazier and 24 hours before uh, we had it. They had to cancel on me. The reason that they canceled was because there was a backlog, a 30,000 backlog in testing results. And so typically where it's supposed to take four days to get your test back, there was a seven-day delay on even getting some of the chemicals, I think, that they needed to do the test. And so they were looking at it could probably take 14 days and so they just canceled uh, that particular one on us this week. A part of me was uh, kind of really disheartened and frustrated from that. But here's one thing that we have to think about COVID. This is something that none of us have ever experienced before. There's not a model that's not, well, my granddaddy did it this way or my uncle did it this way. This is kind of 
learn as we go. So I, I, I can understand the backlog. But yeah. I was and that's a little, across the board, yeah. not only here, but across the yes. nation and around the world as people are experiencing the impact of COVID yes, in their communities. You think that the fact there was this backlog and now that we're seeing these spiked numbers, some of that could be a result of backlog or are these new cases we're looking at? Well, you take this in, Byron. If a single mother in Frazier who lives in a 800 square feet house with five children and she's told that if she goes and take the test, originally she's going to have to wait four days before she even goes back to work. What single mother in Frazier can afford that? And then now you add in the factor that you're going to have to possibly wait 14 days before you go back to work. And in Frazier, the average single mother's income is $11,500 a month. She cannot afford to miss that time. And so she's going to probably put some holy oil on herself and, and pray that the Lord protect and guide her and go back out into the workforce. And unfortunately, that's one of the reasons that we're probably seeing a spike in cases. Yeah. Are these cases in Shelby County really as bad as we're hearing in the media? And some people are saying, well, there's somebody behind the scenes manipulating <laughs> a fake pandemic to yeah. control our liberties. Yeah. You, you know, <laughs> I, I go back and forth with that. Uh, because here's the thing, the cases have been increased by, I think, look like 600%, but the death rate is going down. So, you know, there's some things that you have to have question if, and most people don't talk about the death rate going down. They talk about the 600% increase in cases. I personally believe that this is an attack against the church. Uh, because the church appears to be the only institution where they have deemed it super unsafe. You know, when you look at and most churches now have condensed their services to an hour at, at most an hour, 15 hour and 30 minutes. And when when they are marketing that the church is the most unsafest place to go, but we're going to have basketball back up in the next week. We're yeah. going to have people come back to school and be in the school six hours a day. One of the statistics says 40-hour job is safer than an hour and 15 minutes at church. I just can't comprehend it's that. It's so hard true. to understand. You yeah. know, the California governor, Gavin Newsom, began tightening protocols just recently during the resurgence of the pandemic in his state by banning singing and chanting in church gatherings. Now, this seems like government control. If you're going to go to church, you can't sing. You can't worship God. Yeah. So so we're going to go ahead and let you go, but you can't worship. The whole purpose of going to church is the worship. Uh, so I think, but I think, you know, my, my scripture, my favorite scripture is, uh, and we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. I think the church is going to have to reassess everything about how we do church, our mindset, what's been important to us. And I say this, church has only been closed on Sunday at Pursuit of God Church. Now, we're back now. We've been back three weeks. But literally, during the pandemic, my wife and I, and most of the time, our children, we've only had probably three and a half days off during the whole pandemic. We've been at church sometimes 18-hour days, serving people, preparing people. And I believe this is the season for the church to mend your nets and clean your net so that when this great harvest comes, that we're prepared to receive them. Yeah. Speaking in the arena of culture wars, race, racism, yeah. privilege, Yeah, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is mm. no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Mm. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son yeah. of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. 
Ricky, based on these words from the Apostle Paul, couldn't all of these issues being debated, being fought for, being fought against, Mm -hmm. be dissolved if we live as being crucified with Christ, where we all become one in Christ because he's our life? You know, this is a very interesting season for me. God has allowed me to be a bridge. And so I have relationships with the conservative whites, and I have relationship with, in some cases, militant African-American people. And man, I'm just thinking, you know, the spirit of fear has become rampant in the body of Christ. The spirit of survival has become rampant. And people are not really listening to the word of God. They're listening to their fears and their insecurities. And it's causing at a moment when the body of Christ can really prove unity, can really prove one accord and the will of God. We've allowed fears, survival, insecurities to cause a spirit of sabotage to come into the church and which should be our most productive yes. season. And, and many are even looking at current events, yeah. you know, and saying definitely the return of Christ is upon us. Whether it is or not, I don't know. Yeah. I'm Waiting, I'm longing for well, his we return. don't want him to come now because we got too many spots and blemishes. Well, he said. well the thing is, well, I mean, you know, my concern is, yeah. is that that's not an excuse for yeah. us to back away. Yeah. That should be more reason for us to engage Man. our community with the gospel because he's our only hope. There's a portal that I think many believers are missing because they... Uh, think they're Christ-minded, but they've become carnal-minded. And there's an opportunity that if we really show humility and unity and submit to the wisdom of God in this season, that we could get our nets of influence to work together, and our nets will work for catching this great harvest that's out here at this time. Was there anything that helped you prepare with where we're living today? When you were closing out 2019, looking ahead to 2020, like I've talked to a lot of pastors, you know, when they get their church staff together and they Mm -hmm. look to plan out the year ahead and events and ministries and what you want to accomplish, was there anything that God had taught you prior to going into this pandemic Mm -hmm. or an experience that he showed you that has helped you through where you are right now? You know, I think one thing, many believers don't understand the law of contrast to everything. There is a season. And that's a topic I was teaching 12 seasons of a vision as we were coming into this year to everything. There is a season. Most people don't understand this is a season. Watch this. And it's a necessary season It's a time to live, a time to, to die, a time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to purge, a time to plant. This is a season. And it, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love and a sound mind. And one thing that I like to see every time I get in front of people is the gates of hell shall not prevail against the kingdom of God. All we need to do is make sure that we have the king's mindset and the gates of hell will not prevail. My, that's a great word. Well, are you seeing any COVID cases in your congregation? You know, I just got the first report. I heard some people that were put on quarantine, but I just got the first report Two days ago, the first one, a family that were impacted and hospitalized, but they got out. And so we've been we've been blessed, man. I've heard I've had other pastors who've actually lost family members and lost loved ones to it. We've been blessed as a congregation. God's mercy and grace has been on us. I mean, I know that the pursuit of God Transformation Center without a pandemic is is engaging the community yeah. in Frazier. And, and as you mentioned, these single moms, and I know there's ways that you reach out and help through 
providing food. Yeah. And things. I'm sure that must have increased during this time. You know, I was thinking the other day, Ben, it seems like we've done five years worth of ministry in five months. <laughs> we've probably fed around 1,500 people. A couple of weeks before the pandemic started, we've we've done job fairs. As a matter of fact, we've done a job fair since the pandemic, and we're working on putting together a virtual job fair with a Fortune 500 company. I can't let the information out just yet. But we fed that many people. We gave uh, uh, 1,500 gallons worth of gas away to people showing up six hours earlier. It's amazing. People showed up six hours early to get $10 worth of gas. So that kind of shows you where where we're at and how the need is is great at that particular time. And then here's another thing that a lot of people are not aware of right now, man. And with this pandemic, we had a 60-day period where about 88 people died from the coronavirus. In that same period of time, 102 people died from overdosing on opioids. And those issues are not being addressed. Another issue is we've had 20 children to die this year, 20 children who have died this year, and the murder rate is headed at a record-breaking alarm. And I think the tension, the frustration, and as a pastor, I know there's going to seem bias on this, but the inability to go to church and worship has opened a portal up to allow some people to backslide in old habits and lifestyles that are causing these things to happen. Ricky, those stats are, are staggering. Car dealers are being broken into, yeah. you know, the amount of crime that we're seeing. A report issued in May of this year, Shelby County saw a rise in the number of drug overdoses. Shelby County Health Department issued a drug overdose spike alert for a 34-day period from April 27th to May 30th. 68 people died from drug overdoses during that time compared to 62 people who had died from COVID-19 in our county between April 30th in May 30th. And so that number is even so much higher oh, now. Yeah, yeah. What are we looking at now? Well, we had over a 60-day period, 700 people overdose, and 102 of them were fatalities. Oh, my. And those were the latest numbers that, that I have. And and here's what happens. Again, you have people who have been battling with drug addiction. They don't have a 12-step program that they have access to. They don't have a church that they can go to. Some of them don't have jobs that they can go to. They mess around and get a $1,200 stimulus check combined with the anxiety. No one to hold them accountable. It's a time bomb waiting to happen. Well, an average of 115 Americans die every day from opioid Uh overdose. There were 854 opioid-related emergency department visits in Shelby County. That's in 2018 alone. 2017 more. Shelby County residents die from opioid overdose than car accidents in 2017. It's projected that by this year, 2020, more than 250 opioid-related deaths have occurred, and we are close to being halfway there already. When you factor in, I think, around 2016 that the record-breaking murder rate was about 236, and we're going to top that with just opioid addiction. And I think it's too important that we're not just talking about gang members, drug people. So I mean, glad you brought this that This addiction can happen to any of us. People take these type of medicines for back pain, knee pain, degenerative arthritis. They're so powerful and they're so subtle how they can grab you and take control of your life. 55% of the drug addicts get their first experience with opioids from a prescription. And so it's, uh, I say, uh, opioid is not racist. 
It doesn't care about your education. It doesn't care about social, economic. You know, I was talking with a very powerful community leader, and I was debating about partnering with someone who passes out or does needle exchange. As a pastor, I was struggling back and forth with that, and I was telling this guy, had no idea that his daughter had overdosed twice, and he began to weep. And this is a very strong, masculine man. And he began to weep and, and pleaded with me, that I would take the reserves off, he said, because you have no idea how it's needed. It's very educated, masculine man, but his daughter is battling, and this year has almost overdosed twice. Recently, uh, District Attorney Amy Weirich yeah. said, and I want to quote, a dose the size of Abraham Lincoln's nose on a penny is enough to kill you. So what can the church do engaging in this battle? The church... It's going to have to step out of its comfort zone and take some persecution so that we can have access to uh, souls that we will be able to save later. You can't save a dead soul. And so this Saturday, we partnered with CAPS and other organizations, health services, uh, the Shelby County Department, where we had an event in the Fraser community. Uh, it was the first time that this organization ever partnered with a church. And the first time that they ever came to the inner city and we had, uh, I quote them, the best and largest event that we've ever had. Here's one of the two amazing testimonies is two people came that day on the property just to get some hot dogs and see what was going on. And we got to take them straight to a rehabilitation facilities, a 30 day program. Another, we had two salvations that day. And then we had two young ladies. Unfortunately, the suicide spirit is up Their Auntie, which is a minister had committed suicide. Oh and we had two of her nieces that were there that reached out and I had the opportunity to pray for them. So it was a, a very successful day. So much the healing life of yeah. Jesus is waiting to touch yes, sir. and to change, yes, sir. to make new, to make brand new. Mm -hmm. Old things passed away. Oh, yeah. New things become new in Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. This has been great as always. I thank you so much, my dear brother, for what you continue to do for our community in yeah. Christ's name. Appreciate you stopping by. If folks want to know more about the work you do at Pursuit of God Transformation Center, if they want to come alongside you and yeah. support the efforts that you do in many of these projects, what can they do? You know, one of the reasons that we've been so impactful is because God convicted me about five years ago, the power of partnership. You know, the ego will have you thinking that you can do everything by yourself. And the Lord told me one day, he says, you've done a tremendous job by yourself. He said, but you haven't scratched the surface on what I need you to do. You can reach us by the pursuit of God dot org or Facebook Pursuit of God Church at Memphis. Uh, we would love to partner with you, uh, do covenant relationship to change this region. Ricky, I appreciate you, I love brother. You, love you, man. God Thank bless you, so you. Thank you so much as always for stopping by. Amen. Bless you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.